0: Volume one of the Book of A Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Calinda. The Book of A Thousand Nights and A Night, Section Eleven. O Prince of True Believers, my story is one which, were it graven with needle gravers upon the eye, corners, were a warner for whoso would be warned, and an example for whoso can take profit from example. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the seventeenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that she stood forth before the commander of the faithful, and began to tell the eldest lady's tale. Verily, a strange tale is mine, and tis this, Yon two black bitches are my eldest sisters by one mother and father, and these two others, she who beareth upon her the signs of stripes, and the third are procuratrix, are my sisters by another mother. When my father died, each took her share of the heritage, and after a while my mother also deceased, leaving me and my sisters German three thousand dinars, so each daughter received her portion of a thousand dinars, and I the same, I'll be the youngest.' In due course of time my sisters married with the usual festivities, and lived with their husbands, who bought merchandise with their wives' monies, and set out on their travels together. Thus they threw me off. My brothers-in-law were absent with their wives five years, during which period they spent all the money they had, and, becoming bankrupt, deserted my sisters in foreign parts amid stranger folk. After five years my eldest sister returned to me in beggar's gear, with her clothes in rags and tatters and a dirty old mantilla, and truly she was in the foulest and sorriest plight. At first sight I did not know my own sister, but presently I recognized her and said, What state is this? Oh, our sister, she replied, words cannot undo the done, and the reed of destiny hath run through what Allah decreed. Then I sent her to the bath, and dressed her in a suit of mine own, and boiled for her a bouillon, and brought her some good wine, and said to her, O my sister, thou art the eldest, who still standest to us in the stead of father and mother. And as for the inheritance which came to me as to you twain, Allah hath blessed it and prospered it to me with increase, and my circumstances are easy, for I have made much money by spinning and cleaning silk, and I and you will share my wealth alike. I entreated her with all kindliness, and she abode with me for a whole year, during which our thoughts and fancies were always full of our other sister." Shortly after, she too came home, in yet fouler and sorrier plight than that of my eldest sister, and I dealt by her still more honourably than I had done by the first, and each of them had a share of my substance. After a time they said to me, "'O, our sister, we desire to marry again, for indeed we have not patience to drag on our days without husbands, and to lead the lives of widows bewitched.' And I replied, "'O eyes of me!' "'Ye have hitherto seen scanty wheel in wedlock, for nowadays good men and true are become rarities and curiosities, nor do I deem your projects advisable, as ye have already made trial of matrimony and have failed. But they would not accept my advice, and married without my consent. Nevertheless I gave them outfit and dowries out of my money, and they fared forth with their mates. In a mighty little time their husbands played them false, and taking whatever they could lay hands upon, levanted and left them in the lurch.' Thereupon they came to me ashamed, and in abject case, and made their excuses to me, saying, Pardon our fault, and be not wroth with us, for although thou art younger in years, yet art thou older in wit. Henceforth we will never make mention of marriage, so take us back as thy handmaidens, that we may eat our mouthful." Quoth I, Welcome to you, O my sisters, there is not dearer to me than you. And I took them in, and redoubled my kindness to them. We ceased not to live, after this loving fashion, for a full year, when I resolved to sell my wares abroad, and first to fit me a conveyance for Basora, so I equipped a large ship, and loaded her with merchandise and valuable goods for traffic, and with Provant, and all needful for a voyage, I said to my sisters, Will ye abide at home whilst I travel, or would ye prefer to accompany me on the voyage? We will travel with thee, answered they, for we cannot bear to be parted from thee. So I divided my monies into two parts, one to accompany me, and the other to be left in charge of a trusty person, for as I said to myself, "'Haply some accident may happen to the ship, and yet we remain alive, in which case we shall find on our return what may stand us in good stead.' I took my two sisters, and we went a-voyaging some days and nights, but the master was careless enough to miss his course, and the ship went astray with us, and entered a sea other than the sea we sought.' For a time we knew naught of this, and the wind blew fair for us ten days, after which the lookout man went aloft to see about him, and cried, Good news! Then he came down rejoicing, and said, I have seen what seemeth to be a city as twere a pigeon. Hereat we rejoiced, and ere an hour of the day had passed, the building showed plain in the offing, and we asked the captain, What is the name of yonder city? And he answered, By Allah I know it not, for I never saw it before, and never sailed these seas in my life. But since our troubles have ended in safety, remains for you only to land there with your merchandise, and if you find selling profitable, sell and make your market of what it is there. And if not, we will rest here two days and provision ourselves and fare away. So we entered the port, and the captain went uptown and was absent a while, after which he returned to us and said, Arise, go up into the city and marvel at the works of Allah with his creatures, and pray to be preserved from his righteous wrath. So we landed, and going up into the city, saw at the gate men holding staves in hand, but when we drew near them, behold, they had been translated by the anger of Allah, and had become stones. Then we entered the city, and found all therein turned into black stones and stoned. Not an inhabited house appeared to the Aspire, nor was there a blower of fire. We were awestruck at the sight, and threaded the market-streets, where we found the goods and gold and silver left lying in their places, and we were glad, and said, Doubtless there is some mystery in all this. Then we dispersed about the thoroughfares, and each busied himself with collecting the wealth and money and rich stuffs, taking scanty heed of friend or comrade. As for myself, I went up to the castle which was strongly fortified, and entering the king's palace by its gate of red gold, found all the Vessel of gold and silver, and the king himself seated in the midst of his chamberlains and nabobs and emirs and wazirs, all clad in raiment which confounded man's art. I drew nearer and saw him sitting on a throne encrusted and inlaid with pearls and gems, and his robes were of gold cloth adorned with jewels of every kind, each one flashing like a star. Around him stood fifty mamelukes, white slaves, clothed in silks of diverse sorts, holding their drawn swords in their hands, but when I drew near to them, lo, all were black stones. My understanding was confounded at the sight, but I walked on and entered the great hall of the harem, whose walls I found hung with tapestries of gold, striped silk, and spread with silken carpets embroidered with golden cowers. Here I saw the queen lying at full length, arrayed in robes with fresh young pearls. On her head was a diadem set with many sorts of gems, each fit for a ring, and around her neck hung collars and necklaces. All her raiment and her ornaments were in natural state, but she had been turned into a black stone by Allah's wrath. Presently I espied an open door for which I made straight, and found, leading to it, a flight of seven steps. So I walked up, and came upon a place pargetted with marble, and spread and hung with gold-worked carpets and tapestry, a middlemost of which stood a throne of juniper-wood inlaid with pearls and precious stones, and set with the bosses of emeralds. In the further wall was an alcove whose curtains, bestrung with pearls, were let down, and I saw a light issuing therefrom. So I drew near, and perceived that the light came from a precious stone as big as an ostrich egg, set at the upper end of the alcove upon a little chryselephantine couch of ivory and gold, and this jewel, blazing like the sun, cast its rays wide inside. The couch also was spread with all manner of silken stuffs, amazing the gazer with their richness and beauty." I marveled much at all this, especially when seeing in that place candles ready lighted, and I said in my mind, Needs must someone have lighted these candles. Then I went forth and came to the kitchen, and thence to the buttery and the king's treasure chambers, and continued to explore the palace and to pace from place to place. I forgot myself in my awe and marvel at these matters, and I was drowned in thought till the night came on. Then I would have gone forth, but knowing not the gate I lost my way. So I returned to the alcove, where the lighted candles directed me, and sat down upon the couch, and wrapping myself in a coverlet after I had repeated somewhat from the Koran, I would have slept, but could not, for restlessness possessed me. When night was at its noon, I heard a voice chanting the Koran in sweetest accents, but the tone thereof was weak. So I rose, glad to hear the silence broken, until I reached a closet whose door stood ajar, Then, peeping through a chink, I considered the place, and, lo, it was an oratory wherein was a prayer niche, with two wax candles burning, and lamps hanging from the ceiling. In it, too, was spread a prayer carpet, whereupon sat a youth fair to see, and before him on its stand was a copy of the Qur'an, from which he was reading. I marveled to see him alone, alive, amongst the people of the city, and entering saluted him, whereupon he raised his eyes and returned my salam. Quoth I, Now by the truth of what thou readest in Allah's holy book, I conjure thee to answer my question. He looked upon me with a smile, and said, O handmaid of Allah, first tell me the cause of thy coming hither, and I in turn will tell what hath befallen both me and the people of this city, and what was the reason of my escaping their doom. So I told him my story whereat he wondered, and I questioned him of the people of the city, when he replied, Have patience with me for a while, O my sister and, reverently closing the holy book, he laid it up in a satin bag. Then he seated me by his side, and I looked at him, and, behold, he was as the moon at its full, fair of face and rare of form, soft-sided and slight, of well-proportioned height, and cheek smoothly bright and diffusing light, in brief a sweet, a sugar stick, even as saith the poet of the like of him in these couplets. That night the astrologer a scheme of planets drew, and, lo, A graceful shape of youth appeared in view. Saturn had stained his locks with Saturninus jet And spots of nut-brown musk on rosy side face blue. Mars tinctured either cheek with tinct of martial red, Sagittal shots from eyelids Sagittarius threw, Dowered from mercury with bright mercurial wit, Bore off the bear what all man's evil glances grew, amazed stood astrophil to sight the marvel birth when louded low the moon at full to bust the earth and of a truth allah the most high had robed him in the raiment of perfect grace and had purfled and fringed it with a cheek all beauty and loveliness even as the poet saith of such a one by his eyelids shedding perfume and his fine slim waist i swear by the shooting of his shafts barbed with sorcery passing rare by the softness of his sides and glances lingering light, and brow of dazzling day-tide ray and night within his hair, by his eyebrows which deny to who look upon them rest, now bidding, now forbidding, ever dealing joy and care, by the rose that decks his cheek and the myrtle of its moss, by jacinth bedded in his lips, and pearl his smile lays bare, by his graceful bending neck and the curving of his breast, Whose polished surface bear those granados lovely pair. By his heavy hips that quiver as he passeth in his pride, or he resteth with that waist which is slim beyond compare. By the satin of his skin, by that fine unsullied sprite, By the beauty that containeth all things bright and debonair. By that ever-open hand, by the candor of his tongue, By noble blood and high degree whereof he's hope and air. Musk from him borrows muskiness she loveth to exhale, and all the air of ambergris through him perfume the air. The sun, methinks, the broad bright sun before my love would pale, and sans his splendor would appear a paring of his nail. I glanced at him with one glance of eyes which caused me a thousand sighs, and my heart was at once taken captive wise, so I asked him, O my lord and my love, tell me what whereof I question thee. And he answered, Hearing is obeying, Know, O handmaid of Allah, that this city was the capital of my father, who is the king thou sawest on the throne, transfigured by Allah's wrath to a black stone, and the queen thou foundest in the alcove is my mother. They and all the people of the city were Magians, who fire adored in lieu of the omnipotent lord, and were wont to swear by low and heat and shade and light and the spheres revolving day and night. My father had ne'er a son till he was blessed with me near the last of his days and he reared me till I grew up, and prosperity anticipated me in all things. Now it so fortunate that there was with us an old woman well stricken in years, a Muslimah who, inwardly believing in Allah and his Apostle, conformed outwardly with the religion of my people, and my father placed through confidence in her for that he knew her to be trustworthy and virtuous, and he treated her with ever-increasing kindness, believing her to be of his own belief. So when I was well nigh grown up, my father committed me to her charge, saying, Take him, and educate him, and teach him the rules of our faith. Let him have the best instructions, and cease not thy fostering care of him. So she took me, and taught me the tenets of al-Islam, with the divine ordinances of the wuzu ablution and the five daily prayers, and she made me learn the Koran by rote, often repeating, Serve none save Allah Almighty. When I had mastered this much of knowledge, she said to me, O my son, keep this matter concealed from thy sire, and reveal not to him lest he slay thee. So I hid it from him, and I abode on this wise for a term of days, when the old woman died, and the people of the city redoubled in their impiety, and arrogance, and the error of their ways. One day, while they were as wont, behold, they heard a loud and terrible sound, and a crier crying out with a voice like roaring thunder, so every ear could hear, far and near, O folk of this city, LEAVE YE YOUR FIRE WORSHIPPING, AND ADORE ALLAH THE ALL-COMPASSIONATE KING. At this fear and terror fell upon the citizens, and they crowded to my father, he being the king of the city, and asked him, What is this awesome voice we have heard, for it hath confounded us with the excess of its terror? And he answered, Let not a voice fright you, nor shake your steadfast sprite, nor turn your back from the faith which is right. Their hearts inclined to his words, and they ceased not to worship the fire, and they persisted in rebellion for a full year from the time they heard the first voice, and on the anniversary came a second cry, and a third at the head of the third year, each year once. Still they persisted in their malpractices, till one day, at break of dawn, judgment and the wrath of heaven descended upon them with all suddenness, and by the visitation of Allah all were metamorphosed into black stones, they and their beasts and their cattle, and none were saved, save myself, who at the time was engaged in my devotions. From that day to this, I am in the case thou seest, constant in prayer, and fasting, and reading, and reciting the Koran, but I am indeed grown weary by reason of my loneliness, having none to bear me company. Then said I to him, for in very sooth he had won my heart, and was the lord of my life and soul. O youth, Wilt thou fare with me to Baghdad city, and visit the olemah and men learned in the law, and doctors of divinity, and get the increase of wisdom and understanding and theology? And know that she who standeth in thy presence will be thy handmaid, albeit she be head of her family, and mistress over men, and eunuchs, and servants, and slaves. Indeed my life was no life before it fell in with thy youth. I have here a ship laden with merchandise, and in very truth, destiny drove me to this city that i might come to the knowledge of these matters for it was fated that we should meet and i ceased not to persuade him and speak of him fair and use every art till he consented and shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day and ceased to say her permitted say
1: section 12 when it was the 18th night she continued It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the lady ceased not, persuading with soft speech the youth to depart with her till he consented and said yes. She slept that night lying at his feet, and hardly knowing where she was for excess of joy. As soon as the next morning dawned, she pursued, addressing the caliph, I arose, and we entered the treasuries, and took thence whatever was light in weight and great in worth. Then we went down side by side from the castle to the city, where we were met by the captain and my sisters and slaves, who had been seeking for me. When they saw me, they rejoiced, and asked what had stayed me, and I told them all I had seen, and related to them the story of the young prince, and the transformation wherewith the citizens had been justly visited.' Hereat all marvelled, but when my two sisters, these two bitches, O commander of the faithful, saw me by the side of my young lover, they jaloused me on his account, and were wroth, and plotted mischief against me. We awaited a fair wind, and went on board rejoicing, and ready to fly for joy by reasons of the goods we had gotten, but my own greatest joyance was in the youth and we waited a while till the wind blew fair for us, and then we set sail and fared forth. Now, as we sat talking, my sisters asked me, And what wilt thou do with this handsome young man? And I answered, I purpose to make him my husband. Then I turned to him and said, O my lord, I have that to propose to thee, wherein thou must not cross me. And this it is, that when we reach Baghdad, my native city, I offer thee my life as thy handmaiden in holy matrimony, and thou shalt be to me barren, and I will be fam to thee. He answered, I hear, and I obey. Thou art my lady and my mistress, and whatso thou doest I will not gainsay. Then I turned to my sisters and said, This is my gain. I content me with this youth, and those who have gotten aught of my property, let them keep it as their gain, with my good will. "'Thou sayest and doest well,' answered the twain, "'but they imagined mischief against me. "'We ceased not spooning before a fair wind, "'till we had exchanged the sea of peril "'for the seas of safety, "'and in a few days we made Bassora City, "'whose buildings loomed clear before us as evening fell. "'But after we had retired to rest and were sound asleep, "'my two sisters arose and took me up, bed and all, "'and threw me into the sea.' did the same with the young prince, who, as he could not swim, sank and was drowned, and Allah enrolled him in the noble army of martyrs. As for me, would heaven I had been drowned with him, but Allah deemed that I should be of the saved. So when I awoke and found myself in the sea, and saw the ship making off like a dash of lightning, he threw in my way a piece of timber which I bestrided, and the waves tossed me to and fro till they cast me upon an island coast, a high land and an uninhabited. I landed and walked about the island the rest of the night, and when the morning dawned I saw a rough track barely fit for a child of Adam to tread, leading to what proved a shallow ford connecting island and mainland. As soon as the sun had risen— I spread my garments to dry in its rays and ate of the fruits of the island and drank of its waters. Then I set out along the foot-track and ceased not walking till I reached the mainland. Now, when there remained between me and the city but a two hours' journey, behold, a great serpent, the bigness of a date-palm, came fleeing towards me in all haste, gliding along, now to the right, then to the left till she was close upon me, whilst her tongue lolled groundwards a span long, and swept the dust as she went. She was pursued by a dragon, who was not longer than two lances, and of slender build, about the bulk of a spear, and, although her terror lent her speed, and she kept wriggling from side to side, he overtook her, and seized her by the tail, whereat her tears streamed down, and her tongue was thrust out in her agony.' I took pity on her, and picking up a stone and calling upon Allah for aid, threw it at the dragon's head with such force that he died then and there, and the serpent, opening a pair of wings, flew into the lift and disappeared from before my eyes. I sat down marvelling over that adventure, but I was weary, and drowsiness overcoming me, I slept where I was for a while.' When I awoke, I found a jet-black damsel sitting at my feet, shampooing them, and by her side stood two black bitches. My sisters, O Commander of the Faithful. I was ashamed before her, and sitting up, asked her, O my sister, who and what art thou? And she answered, How soon hast thou forgotten me? I am she for whom thou wroughtest a good deed, and sowedest the seed of gratitude, and slewest her foe for I am the serpent whom by Allah's aidance thou didst just now deliver from the dragon. I am a jinniyah and he was a jinn who hated me, and none saved my life from him save thou. As soon as thou freedest me from him, I flew on the wind to the ship whence thy sisters threw thee, and removed all that was therein to thy house.' Then I ordered my attendant Marids to sink the ship, and I transformed thy two sisters into these black bitches, for I know all that hath passed between them and thee. But as for the youth, of a truth he is drowned." So saying, she flew up with me and the bitches, and presently set us down on the terrace roof of my house, wherein I found ready stored the whole of what property was in my ship, nor was aught of it missing. Now, continued the serpent that was, I swear by all engraver on the seal ring of Solomon, with whom be peace, unless thou deal to each of these bitches three hundred stripes every day, I will come and imprison thee for ever under the earth. I answered, Hearkening and obedience, and away she flew. But before going, she again charged me, saying, I again swear by him who made the two seas flow, and this be my second oath, if thou gainsay me, I will come and transform thee like thy sisters. Since then I have never failed, O commander of the faithful, to beat them with that number of blows, till their blood flows with my tears, I pitying them the while, and well they wot, that their being scourged is no fault of mine, and they accept my excuses. And this is my tale and my history. The caliph marvelled at her adventures, and then signed to Ja'afar, who said to the second lady, the portress, And thou, how camest thou by the welts and wheels upon thy body? So she began the tale of the portress.